0: listener can't see but i'm just kind of looking around right now like will smith um has been left by his his, his father where are all my people at um i cannot seem to terrell have you seen where my friends are
1: well, I can't, you know i'm here well yeah
0: i mean that's <laughs> tried and true Death taxes Jeez. and Terrell Huff giving his long-winded hey. ass takes on the, look, 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 <laughs> on look. the podcast. Get, getting away from getting away. Why do you think they so long
1: with I get away from my kids. The longer <laughs> I'm in here. <laughs> The longer I'm in here, the longer I'm waiting for them crazy-ass kids, man. I should have known my genetics was going to come out. Well, obviously, genetically, that's what happens. But I mean, shit, I didn't know that those
0: parts of the genetics was going to go. Them kids, out. they damn mine. Well, before Terrell waxes poetic too far about parenthood, (laughs) we are going to (laughs) welcome you to another edition of Speaking for Sport. I am, of course, your most excellent venerated host, your wife's favorite podcaster. Oh, yeah, that's back. Cause especially because especially cause a certain someone isn't here to stop me. I can do whatever I want right now. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling real good. Uh, this is a show, of course, uh, your wife's favorite podcast, Dr. Lewis. Not... The third. Oh, uh, he's all by himself. No one to stop him. Unchallenged, uncheck. Nobody, I was, look, at look at this. Uh, I was so excited to say the wife favorite podcaster part. I almost didn't even say my damn name. <laughs> so this is that of course to stay. By the way, you are obligated to
1: say that every single episode. like yeah. if You don't do it. I've had people tell me that in the ep- there's episodes you don't do it, and, and they don't understand. It's why disappointing. I want well, it to that, be a okay. thing that I don't I do the
0: okay. the wife favorite podcaster yes. part. Yes. Like oh, there okay, are people yeah.
1: that really love it when you say that. Like, okay, for real. They I think that shit's hilarious.
0: I didn't know I had a a following of people who enjoy that, but no, because yes. I I had like my brother told
1: me it's like a Rick Fla- like it's almost like a Rick Flair thing. Like they like it when you yo because know, you know how like Rick Flair used to say crazy shit like like about people's wife and stuff. Like hey hey, your wife loves me, Woo! like that shit like like. I'm serious, man. People like when you say that shit. Yes, you, you have to say that shit. All right.
0: Yeah, I had been saying it only because I've been forgetting. Not really because I had stopped saying it. That's why it's back, baby. Back by popular demand, of, of course. Of course, I knew that. Of course, I knew everyone wanted right. to hear that. Uh, <laughs> this is the show where we take one topic, one topic only. We throw it into a little bowl, In a bowl, steal it down into its essence. I'm sorry, you got to distill steal it down first. You distill it down to its essence, put it into a little bowl, mix it up, and give it back to you, the people. You now, you're going out into the world, and frankly, you're probably just a little out of pocket with all the information you have, but I can't stop that. I can't help that. Um, you know, we just inform you. We, we can't stop what you do with the information. Um, and, of course, I am joined, as we disseminate this information for you, by Desbian Poppy himself. Terrell Huff is in the building.
1: What Ah, up, man? <laughs> It's your boy. Hey, support the man. arts. <laughs> support the Oh, no. Why am I saying f-? like I don't support the fucking arts, man? Like for real, get out here, go to the, go to a show, go to a fucking play. Come on, man, take a we... CD from the dude on the street. <laughs> take a CD. You Do know, it. like when you be driving, a motherfucker be trying to sell a five dollar CD. You talking about they got um, buy that shit? Listen, Listen to, to that man.
0: That man's, man's mixtape might be fire. I mean, it's probably Bump not. It but right it...
1: in yes, it could be though. You don't know in front of him. In front, bumping in front of him oh no maybe your not in, kids front of in the oh, park. No. <laughs> maybe not
0: maybe not in front of him <laughs> maybe not in front of him's uh, going on me, that one. Me, me and <laughs> Dale have never it's told your you reaction, the story no uh, when we were we were in Dallas uh, for the UT game when I was in college, uh, my dad uh, basically sent us down there for one of the UT versus OU games. Um, and this, we were, this dude, who was clearly playing his own mixtape, drove by, and he, it was just like, booty, 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 go on! And we were like, what in the world is happening outside of the streets of San Antonio, Texas? We were so confused. But it's always stuck with us just because it's like, there's just no, what is, what, what is the hook to your song, my guy? Uh, but yeah, don't maybe don't li- listen to the mixtape, but pro- maybe not in front of them because you might make some faces not you're gonna regret. Him. You might. Make some re- anyway, Julian is patiently waiting for me oh, to introduce fuck. him, and so I'm gonna go ahead and do that now. Um, Julian Owens is back with us from the King Julian podcast. Uh, hey, y'all you can't today, see
1: this, but Julian got a whole ass like pop filter in front of his mic. My man's is in studio
2: mode, but <laughs> perceive my man's. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I will be also on that bandwagon. Eric, I want you to say that more often. I love it. Yes. I, I love it. Keep it's your confidence up. Shit's funny. Um, but I'm doing great, guys. Uh yes, I got my pop filter on. I think it's gonna make me sound just a little bit better. Um, specifically after the abysmal sound quality of the top five sitcom dads. So we're coming back. We're gonna sound better.
0: We're sound better this time. That's what's up. Yeah, your your quality wasn't as as pristine as usual, only because you were uh, you're I caught you out of town on that one, and so you you were I caught you in our, you know you know a little bit out of pocket. You were nice enough to join us anyway, though. Uh, I think it was more the internet quality, just because you were in a different location than than anything. But yeah, you, you, you always sound you sound you always sound good. You just didn't sound as pristine as you normal, my man. That's all right. I appreciate that. And you side note, we heard just we know parents
2: saying PSA to all parents out there. Just wanting you to know. Please upgrade your goddamn Wi Fi. Just, just want to say that I love you. I, I love y'all. Just upgrade your goddamn Wi Fi. But I, I did. I. I, 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 I. <laughs>
0: Uh, speaking of Julian saying upgrade your goddamn Wi-Fi, uh, I was gonna say Terrell. If I were a better editor, when you said freaking, I would have bleeped I would bleep that, and when you said fucking, I would and then leave left that it in, in there. Yeah, <laughs> but I probably probably won't, probably won't do that. Just an idea that will run through my head because I just don't really know how to how to bleep things successfully Sheet. on this program. But it would well, be you could cut, cut the list. you could
1: cut if you could, if you can get in there quick enough, you can just cut the sound that get that spot.
0: I guess you're right. We'll see. We might play around with. It. We might play around with. It. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, they know by now because they're listening to the <laughs> the edited version of this episode. Yeah. Uh, but who knows? Who knows what I've done at this point. <laughs> so, uh, Julian and it's kind of triple duty man we we are without daniel davidson this week we're without Oscar Zena this week uh mm-hmm. we we are i have uh one mr jr justin randolph himself the artist formerly known as jr the man with many nicknames um uh, i don't know what to call his ass because he was supposed to come back and tell me what to call his ass but he's not here and so we've had three people not, not just one not just two but three people that are not on the pod this Grace. week. And so, and so julian in my estimation is filling in wow. for all of them and so he has to do an impression of all of them throughout the episode. He has to do an impression oh, of Daniel, he has to do an impression of Austin, he has to do an impression of JR, who he's probably only heard ah. twice in his life ever. Heard only, <laughs> <He's once>. like, <laughs> ever. only twice ever in his life. Oh, I'm just kidding. He doesn't you're not obligated <laughs> to do any of that. But if you did, man, bonus points, bonus points. Um, <laughs> so without any of those fellows, fellas, uh, we're going to talk about ah kid, especially now more than ever, I'm down with men. So now more than ever, I need a little helping of Terrell's first take because before he speaks before anyone speaks I'm sorry he will speak he gonna do it whether I let him do it or not quite frankly I before I started this podcast he was trying to do a Terrell Hub's first take and I had to stop him and remind him we were gonna let him do that on the podcast and so we're gonna let she him do hilarious. it on the podcast right now and who is that sponsored by oh. mm-hmm.
1: ah shit oh, hey shit. you know what we might have a new sponsor called fuck around and find out <laughs> Fuck around and f- <laughs> fuck around and find out is a mouth spray. Because okay. sometimes your breath is really, really funky. <laughs> and if thing. you don't brush your teeth, you don't take care of your breath. You're gonna fuck around and find out the hard way.
0: impromptu new addition to the commercial lexicon of this show by Terrell Huff, but it's actually sponsored by Chris who is No, 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 no! I come on by for us. Smoothie and a, a sweet ride and a smile. I don't know. Dale's yeah. better at that than I am. Anyway, yeah, that's pretty much about what but it that, that's close. Serious. That's close enough. Yeah, that's uh, Terrell much. Huff, you can take it away now. Well, you know what? Um,
1: as much as I would like to say that we're going to, you know, do this one on a little bit of a more serious note. And it is a more serious note. But, you know, I got to put my little twist on it because I'm getting a little bit sick of the. Um, the naysayers, if you will, Um when it comes to people like uh, Naomi Osaka, wonderful, amazing tennis player. I don't think I need to tell anybody who she is. And, uh, you know, to a lesser extent, um, Kyrie Irving. And the reason I say to a lesser extent is because one of the points that I was making uh, prior to us starting, you know, to record was um, that there is a huge difference between NBA, quote unquote, American basketball, if you will, uh, and an international sport like tennis a freaking country club sport if you will and that's not to diminish it that's just to get a better understanding of its origins um, like tennis and the fact that there's a game that is known as an international game um, and how that affects players like you know Kyrie Irving and tennis players like Naomi Osaka Um, the issue at hand and I'm uh, again I don't you know we're giving our takes on something that i think is you know people have heard about to this point um is that naomi, naomi osaka basically took in her own hands her mental health in my opinion and said that she was not going to for the french open uh she had no intention of doing any um you know interviews uh post match interviews um press conferences if you will uh because basically over, really over the years, this is something that originated, uh, or I wouldn't even say originated because let's be realistic, mental health is not a joke. And some people that are usually people that are suffering with it have been suffering with it for a really, really long time. So the idea that this was something that just magically occurred, I would not say that. I wouldn't diminish it in that way. But I will say that it is certainly not helped when you're in the public eye on an international level and you are at the top of your profession and there is always someone that wants to get your immediate thought at the age of 23 years old wants to get your immediate thought after a loss or after a a tough outing if you will um and 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 speaking of of Naomi Osaka so she basically decided she was not going to do any press conferences she wasn't going to do any press because basically she felt like uh the press uh you know specifically in that you know part of the world and, and, and in the sport of tennis uh, has not been very good to uh, the athletes uh, playing a sport, um, especially immediately after matches. Um, I do not play tennis, but tennis just from watching over the years. And I go back to watching, I, I go back to when, you know, I, I probably Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi, I probably started watching tennis at the height of that rivalry, um, so I've been watching for a very long time. I was watching when when Andre Agassi had a damn mullet with a with a with a headband on. So I mean, I'm talking about the the Canon EOS days when he was you know taking pictures you know in the commercials. I mean, I, I I've been watching the sport for a hot minute. All right, and even back then, you know it it the sport is again it's an international sport and it's not the same. If you watch a a tennis press conference at whether it's Roland Garros or whether it's Wimbledon, if you watch a tennis press conference, it is not the same. You have people from all different countries, all different walks of life. And um, and realistically, they they have different. um, Let's just say that they they have a tendency to not speak to women the way you should probably speak to women. (laughs) <laughs> or maybe black people the way you should probably speak to black people. There are things that are said and questions that are asked that are probably a little bit, uh, you wouldn't hear them asked like that if you're watching an NBA game or a major league baseball game. And that is something that is still going on to this day. And Naomi Osaka, in my opinion, was having none of it any longer. Um, we've seen glimpses of it with the Williams sisters. Um, and there's be, definitely been some moments with them over the last, you know, 20 years. But Naomi just basically took her own health, her own mental health in her hands, and said, "I'm not dealing with it." And uh, they find her. Um, they had some social media posts that were insensitive and tried to, you know, belittle her, um, you know, on the shade-throwing route, uh, which they didn't do a very good job at because everybody picked up on it and and it got the gossip headline real quick. Um, so realistically. You know, this is a subject that I was really looking forward to talking about. Uh, we're going to get into it as uh, uh, in the way that Kyrie Irving um, plays into it, because Kyrie Irving did something simple, uh, uh, did something uh, similar, although, you know, again, it was obviously more stateside. And it and it had a little bit more to do with uh, a slightly different version of going through what uh, Naomi Osaka went through, because his his grievance was pretty much the same. Um but again, it, it comes back to international media versus a more of a, you know, you know, here in the country, here in the United States. Um, and obviously, during the playoffs, you get some more international uh, personnel, you know, you get some more international uh, press that comes out, and, you know, to those press conferences. So you tend to hear questions from other countries during the playoffs. But realistically, though, they have the same grievance. They handled it Similarly, but my problem is, is that the backlash seems to be a lot harsher for Naomi Osaka than it does uh, Kyrie Irving. And uh, that's what we're going to get into today.
0: That um hmm, that that five minute soliloquy is brought to you. Uh, <laughs> ah, that is you knew Huff's. I was going to do it because there's only three of us. Yeah, he he's trying to fill in the maybe you so should be the one today. Maybe you should be the one who does the impression of Daniel Austin and Jr. All in J. R. <laughs> one episode. <laughs> uh, I cannot do impressions of either of them, and you know I can do impressions. <laughs> I don't know why I can't do impressions of either of them. I have no idea why. And so that was Terrell Huff's first take, uh, sponsored by who? Dan- uh, well. Oh, okay. Sponsored by Chris Usman's <laughs> Knockout Automotive. Come on by for a sweet ride, smoothie and a smile. Oh, I did it. Oh man. By right, the way, uh
1: Kamaru Uzman is fighting uh Kobe Covington again and I hope he beat his ass. Proceed Ooh.
0: I always I always love when he just randomly go uh, just plugs.
1: <laughs> I had the, to get uh, it out there because they fighting
0: again and I hope yeah. he beat his ass. I really do. Um, and so as, as Terrell uh, detailed uh, somewhat extensively, we're... The, the name of the game, uh, the theme, the word of the day, you know, uh, pretend I'm Spongebob and a rainbow is appearing as I say that. The word of the day is entitlement because that is what we're ah. focusing on this week entitlement Ooh. um player enti- and play- well i mean you can call it player entitlement you can call it fan entitlement you can call it median entitlement what do the players have what obligations do the do the entertainers the athletes the players have to us the fans the media etc etc um and so we as Terrell mentioned, we're filtering that conversation through more than a few incidents that happened over the last week, uh, starting with the main uh, issue in contention, Naomi Osaka. as She departed from the French Open uh, basically due to mental health issues. Um, and so how that situation began um, is that pretty much right before the French Open was slated to begin, uh, Naomi Osaka, who was uh, the number two, two seed in the French Open, obviously, uh it, Probably, arguably, the best tennis player in the world at this current time. Uh, as this, as the uh, Williams sisters continue to decline, um, she's kind of filling that void. Best voice. Tennis player. No, just best <laughs> tennis player in general. this <laughs> this player in the league right now, in okay. French All right. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all right, absolutely. And so, <clears throat> uh, she's pretty important to the game of tennis. Suffice it that, suffice that to say, <laughs> um, she bef- about four days before the French Open, she said that she, you know, she wasn't going to do any media obligations uh, because she had to protect her mental health. Um, it was somewhat of a vague statement, but you know, the, the gist of it was that she needed to protect her health and to do so, she needed to avoid media obligations. Um, now you would understand why the French open specifically would take exception to that because, you know, they need the media in a certain, in a certain respect, um, to, uh, to function as an entity that makes a ton of money. Um, and but not only did the french open respond all the grand slams which to f- be frank i had no clue that there was a grand slam committee for all four of these bad boys i knew there's a wta i knew there's an association of tennis yeah. but right. i didn't know there was a a, a, a grand slam committee it was almost like they formed it on the spot to respond to this but it because i had literally never heard of this but they released a statement basically saying hey she's been fined and she will not only continue to be fined she was fined 15k but she will not she will be continuously fined if she continues to go down this road and she might even get kicked out of tournaments and get her suspended uh and or suspended for if she continues to not speak to the media because the media obligations are um important and so and they said that for competitive balance reasons so eventually after that happens naomi osaka just decides you know what i'm not in the space where i can compete right now i'm out of here and she released a statement um, first. she I, I didn't actually know this, but on Twitter, a day before she released her statement, she uh, actually said anger is a lack of understanding. Change makes people uncomfortable. I'm sure she was getting all sorts of out of pocket things being said to her on, yeah. on social media. Yeah, oh, uh, so surely. That, I'm sure that's where that's that that tweet uh, comes from. But she, then she releases a more formal statement um, a day later Um the the last day of May. Hey, everyone, this isn't a situation I ever imagined or intended when I posted a few days ago. I think now the best thing for the tournament, the other players and my well-being is that I withdraw so that everyone can get back to focusing on the tennis going on in Paris. I never wanted to be a distraction and I accept that my timing was not ideal. and My message could have been clearer. More importantly, I would never trivialize mental health or use the term lightly. The truth is that I have suffered a long, I have suffered long bouts of depression since the U.S. Open in 2018, and I have had a really hard time coping with that. Anyone that knows me knows I'm introverted, and anyone that has seen me at the tournaments will notice that I am often wearing headphones. Is that help dull? Is that helps dull my social anxiety? Though the tennis press has always been kind to me and I want to apologize, especially to all the cool journalists who I may have heard, I'm not a natural public speaker and get huge waves of anxiety before I speak to the world's media. I get really nervous and find it stressful to always try to engage and give you the best answers I can. So here in Paris, I was already feeling vulnerable and anxious, so I thought it was better to exercise self-care and skip the press conference. I announced it preemptively because I do feel like the rules are quite outdated in in parts. And I wanted to highlight that I wrote privately to the tournament, apologizing and say that I could be more than, I would be more than happy to speak with them after the tournament as the slams are intense. I'm going to take some time away from the court now, but when the time is right, I really want to work with the tour to discuss ways we can make things better for the players, press and fans. Anyways, hope you are doing well and staying safe. Love you guys. I'll see you when I see you. Okay. And so that pretty much ends the Naomi, Osaka saga for the standpoint of she's now withdrawn from the French open. So she is not playing tennis. Congratulations to the grand slams for chasing away the best player in one of the most important tournaments of the year. Um, but that's neither here nor there. We'll get back to that in a moment. As this is happening, the NBA is undergoing all sorts of things with their fans as they have finally been allowed back in their buildings and man, they decided to show their whole ass in the first round of the playoffs. And the person uh,
1: ass next to them too.
0: Yeah, I was about
1: to say it's <laughs> we these motherfuckers.
0: we had multiple instances w- w- with fans engaging players on you know just frankly reckless type behavior. First, uh, we had a Boston Celtics fan throw a water bottle at Kyrie Irving as he was leaving the court, as he was leaving the with court because, because he deigned, or I don't even know if it's because of that, but people were trying to correlate it. Who knows if it was, but they the people were trying to correlate it to the because he stepped on the fake mascot's paper logo that's in the center of the court. Uh, uh, and so the Boston fans were mad about that. I don't know if it had I to like do with Terrell that, but, bullshit.
1: but probably Man, not. Man, look, every sweaty nutsack in the NBA them been rubbed across that goddamn logo, and they trying to act like that's the reason that they Sir? threw a water bottle. Sir? Get the Sir? fuck out
0: of here. Sir, this is not Terrell Hutt's first take. Let me finish. I'm speaking. fuck no, out of here. <laughs> 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 I'm
3: so... Fucking bullshit. Five. Five.
1: I I haven't thrown a water bottle at <laughs> this like fucking poser. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so. Uh,
0: Hey, kids, in you got to knock. In addition to that, uh, Russell Westbrook uh, of the Washington Wizards had a fan throw him, throw popcorn at him. Um, Atlanta Hawks guard T- Trey Young was spit on in the, in the garden, the Mecca, mm. <laughs> some Mecca when you have your fans uh, spitting mm. on other players. And then mm. finally, uh, this all culminated with John Morant's family uh, being verbally accosted and abused in Utah um basically by uh, the way
1: utah they racist as fuck i lived there for two years the motherfuckers would shout anything at you at a game i was going to the game to watch the fucking game when the spurs came there one year and the motherfuckers was racist to the fans in the stands so i'm sorry i just get that out there just so uh, that we had some context
0: among among the things that the utah fans <laughs> said to the draw moran family uh i'll put a nickel in your back and watch you and watch you go boy um, I'm that sure was that was said with a little bit of right cha. I, mean, I didn't know Utah had such cha in its life, but hey, apparently that's I, apparently some old school do. shit right yeah, there. I did, yeah. yeah, I was like, Ooh, okay. "Oh, okay." Uh, we yeah, we bring yeah. in the we bring in the real racism in this one. All hey, right, that, all that's right, that
1: right. Alabama shit right um, there. And then boy.
0: apparently sexual um ref, uh sexual <laughs> things were shouted at John Moran's mother, um as well, including which is funny because is
1: I'm
0: sorry, go ahead. If Cody being told Utah, to shut like up, uh. B-word. um I mean, I can't say that word, but I'm just not going to repeat it in this set, set context because it's you know I just don't want to. So, um, and because fuck Utah fans and f- fuck Utah. Fans. Yes, they, they don't deserve to be yes. re- repeated verbatim anyway. um And so those instances, those are the instances of media slash fan relations currently with our with our athletes, the people who we pay lots of good money <laughs> to entertain us as we continue to try to tra- trace them all around the court and for court and. and yeah, court because both were courts. I was gonna say field, but no fields in this instance. Uh, for various instances. So now that I've done my soliloquy on what we we're talking about, where you guys uh, stand on this? We'll start with, of course, our guest because Terrell's already ranted, and now I've spoken. Yes. I'm kind of, I'm kind of tired, frankly. I'm a little tired, so I'm gonna <laughs> let Julian go um, and see what he has to say in regards to man. The fans. I'm not. I'm not gonna say the media is out of pocket per se, but the fans are definitely out of pocket. The media is mm-hmm. kind of bubbling up towards out of pocket, and I have a whole thing on this but Julian where, where, what's your take on what's going on after the events of this week with our athletes
2: so to keep I'm gonna keep my I'm gonna start with Naomi and then we're gonna we're gonna work our way down to media and fans so in my personal opinion I, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart like somebody who was battling with mental health and just basically being emotionally there and dealing with depression for years being like I commemorate Naomi for doing that and for somebody like I say who's been dealing with depression for years like it kind of is rough to be able to put on a happy face and go and do something that you enjoy doing. Right. And like, I completely commemorate her for trying, but again, it sucks that the people that powers that be didn't really give her any kind of leeway to help her until she had to put out a whole damn post on Twitter. And we're going to talk about the fan part of that with what's going on with the NBA, but not, we're going to get there in just a moment. But to my point with, just dealing with that and understanding that yes, people can say yes, yeah, she's making millions of dollars. She's the number two player in the French Open, arguably one of the best tennis players in the world. She should be able to get any sound bites. Media should be able to get any sound bites dealing with her things like that. And Derek, you could probably like understand this and like basically co- collaborate with me on this as well. Is you know working in UT and doing the student led t- Texas de- Texas student television. Program God, that's so hard to say for a moment. Um, I was basically seeing athletes. I'm. We go to their games. We go ask questions, and we're doing exactly what you know ESPN would do or any local news stations in Austin would do. And you know, at some point, I feel like media it's not there yet, but I think at some point, media needs to realize that I don't think we need to have this much magnifying glass on athletes' lives, right? And, you know, don't get me wrong. Yes, you want to have those bites. You want to have big moments where, you know, where the coach has a meltdown or, you know, having that player say something like that. But all within the last six years, as, as we were talking about this, I couldn't help but think of all the times the media outlets kind of didn't do enough to help protect the players. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, six years ago, maybe, yeah, 2015, when Cam... And the Broncos played in the Super Bowl. Literally, they would have usually in the Super Bowl, you have one team in one completely room with a conference, and then you have the other team in a completely different conference. That year specifically, they had both teams in the same room. They just had them in a divider with like a little paper bag under there, right? I'm not paper bag, but you know a little dividers if you right. ever been in the sports, right? And so literally, Cam has to talk about getting his ass beat by the Denver Broncos and literally having arguably his best season in his career. And literally he can hear in the back, I forgot which two DBs was right behind him, but he can literally hear them talk about how they were jokingly ripping him a new one the entire game. And like, what is Kim supposed to do in that point? Supposed to just take that in? Like, no, I just lost in the biggest stage. I feel some type of way about that. Like, no, I'm not about to sit here and listen to this. And I walk off, right? And I feel like, like you said, Derek, I don't think the media is getting as bad as to that point. But I really do think that media needs to start looking in the back and being like, yes, I know it is our job to make money, to have this kind of content and be able to cover these players. But at some point, it has to say maybe it's too much coverage, right? Like not just using football and basketball as a point. They go to training camp, you interview them there. You, they go to preseason games, you get interviewed there. Pre-game, you get interviewed there. The week before the game, actually, let's start there. Week before the game, you get interviewed there. Pre game, get interviewed. Halftime, superstar, you're getting interviewed at that point. And then post game, you're getting interviewed after that. And the cycle continues for 20 weeks if you're going through the playoffs and you're just rolling through that all the way long. And I feel like at some point, I feel like we got to be like, hey, bro, like, I don't want to do that. Like, you're going right. to have a point where AI is going to be like, where you have the AI meltdown, like, we're talking about practice. Right. You guys are mad about practice. Like, like seriously? you yeah, got nothing else to talk Y'all about. got nothing else to talk about? Thank you. You got nothing else to talk about but me missing practice. Seriously? Is this what we're talking about now? And so that's what I mean by I feel like we need to have – media needs to have a conversation about coverage on players. And that's one object of the spectrum. In terms of fan entitlement, and I'm going to say this once, I'm going to say this again, and this is coming from and – and just to give you guys context, this is coming from – a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan and a UT fan who's been bleeding burnt orange since about seven or eight years old. Leave the fucking athletes alone. Like you are not. Like I, it, it irks my nerves. It irks my nerves so much when fans can think that oh, I can do anything to this player because I'm spending hard-earned money to go watch them. No, you fucking can't. These are people. Like I don't, I don't care. Right. I don't give a fuck what you think this is. I don't care. What you you put pedestal you put Kyrie on? I don't care what pedestal you put any of these players on. They're humans. They need to be deserved to be treated as humans. I don't give a fuck. Like they did something like Kyrie blew you guys out in the Boston. Okay, wow. You get you got blown out majority of the goddamn season. Now you mad because Kyrie did it in the playoffs? Shut the fuck up. Like yeah. get over yourself. And like you can't. And I and I feel like this is something that just all over the sports spectrum. You just need to. I think fans just need to understand that you are entitled to a seat at a game that's that's what you're entitled to that's nothing yeah. else you're not entitled to go see them come like and as much as some of us enjoy you're not entitled to go jump the field um jump on the court or jump on the field when something big happens in the game you're not entitled to go talk to the players just because you got front uh, front row seats or courtside view tickets just to be right beside the place you have no right to go and treat these people any different way than how they need to be treated so and a roundabout way, before I get into more context and get on my <laughs> 10-minute rant, I just, I, it, it's, it's ridiculous that all of this is happening and fans, both in tennis and in basketball, literally this week, feel like they have obligations to do what the hell they want. And it's like, yeah. no, you don't. All you got is that damn seat that you have, and that's all the obligations you have and the food that you buy. That's all. Yeah. You don't put money into this stadium. You don't put money into this organization. So get the fuck over yourself.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't uh terrell brought up being them being treated like animals at a zoo you, you you can't expect to throw a water bottle at an animal in the zoo and continue to be at the zoo they, they'll kick you out of the yeah. zoo like you're right. treating them worse than you yeah. would treat animals peter would be you peter would be on your ass if you treated you. the animals the way that some of people sometimes treat these athletes
1: guarantee you if you run hey wait, wait, wait first of all And let's just look at the (laughs) it's funny that you say that if you throw a fucking water bottle at an elephant or a fucking lion or some shit, they go throw your ass out the zoo. Okay. not. And I don't even like to dignify this in this way because they're not at a zoo and they're not animals. But let's just take it from there, because Kyrie specifically was saying that, hey, we're not fucking animals in a zoo. So let's look at it that way. If you went to a fucking zoo and threw a water bottle at a freaking elephant or a giraffe or some shit like that and somebody caught you doing that shit, they throw you out there. They just threw a knucklehead-ass female, a knucklehead-ass girl, 23, 24 years old, 26 years old, something like that. In El Paso, they just threw her monkey ass out the zoo because, and she about to get a whole lot more than that, by the way, because she went into the damn monkey cage and was feeding them hot Cheetos. Okay? Now, that's actual animals and them people was dealt with actual animals at the zoo and the people were dealt with why because what did you just say two minutes ago you have the obligation of coming in this motherfucker and sitting in your damn seat and maybe you can get some snacks if you want to go ahead and shell out 12 dollars for a damn hot dog but that's it you're not gonna be up in here throwing shit at players You're not going to be up in here throwing water bottles. You're not going to be spitting on people. But we're talking about the media, and guess what? They're doing basically technically the same thing in terms of they're treating these athletes as if you are here to entertain. Nothing that goes on outside of your entertaining of us. And if the the press is one you know, advocate for the people, we're asking the questions that the fans might want to know. I get that. But guess what? Those people that you're trying to get that information out of that you're wanting to get an answer out of literally two minutes after they walk off of a floor, or 15 minutes or even an hour after they walk off of the floor from something that they've emotionally spent so much i mean so they they just expended so much emotionally to play this game at the highest possible level maybe they just lost a big game maybe they just lost a series maybe they lost you know like literally they were in game 7 of of, of whatever and they didn't get it and they didn't get it done and you want to talk to them within an hour of that happening come on man and then you're like oh well we're obligated And it's funny because the same people that are telling us that we're, that they're obligated to get this press conference from these people are the same people that says that those players should be happy and that they should feel, you know, (laughs) like some sense of obligation, you know, and, 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 you know, they're doing the same thing. It's like, nobody's obligated to give you anything. And so it just annoys the shit out of me that it's like, we're press. In my opinion is no better in these situations than the fans doing what they did in the NBA this past couple of weeks, no different, because they're doing the same thing to these players and these athletes. They're only doing it in a different way. Maybe they're just doing it verbally, but they're doing the same thing. They're basically saying you're here for our entertainment and you're going to do this thing because this is my job is to get you to do this thing that maybe you're not ready to do and we don't care if we get the best answer from you we just want to get an answer from you and we would prefer to get it when you're at your when you're at some sort of emotional low you know i get the the emotional highs when you win a championship or a big game is a no brainer but the fact that they feel like they must have this access for someone which, you know, and they clamor for this. I mean, I, I don't have to have been media. I've been around plenty of people that have been in media and I can tell you that they clamor for that emotional low. They go after that, that player that has gone through something really shitty and they want to get that player uh, on the record to give an answer to a question, uh, you know, about a game that they just lost. When honestly they should know that person's probably pr- feeling pretty shitty. So You know, I feel like they're doing the same thing. These fans that are spitting on them, throwing water bottles at them, throwing popcorn on them. I feel like in a way they're doing something extremely similar because essentially what they're doing is they're 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 just they're projecting and they're, you know, putting they're putting these players in this position where they need to do more than what they're actually there for. They're yeah, there to play a, the
0: game. Yeah, there's a there's an emotional voyeurism um, that comes complicit um, with being in the media that can that is, quite frankly, as Julian was saying, ha- has gotten a little unseemly um, with the it's hard. I was speaking to Daniel about this the other day uh, when I was over at his house helping, helping to move uh, for a quick second. Um, you know, it, the way. It's hard because you want a, an unfettered press, right? That's the goal of this country, First Amendment, all that kind of stuff. Media access is important, um, and you don't want to have too many gatekeepers upholding that because that doesn't benefit the fan or the people. That benefits the establishment, the big business, the NBA. Um, they get to, you know, use the media as a propaganda arm as opposed to you know getting some real actual journalism going on. Um, and so there, there's this balance between giving the media the access that it needs to correctly do its job. Um, in some, in some situations with, you know, millions of dollars at stake, when some, in some situations where the public needs to know about some of the things that they are like when new stadiums are built, a lot of those stadiums are built with public money. Um, so you do need journalists on the ground, boots on the ground, talking in these organizations, trying to hold these organizations, uh, feet to the fire and media access is a part of that. Um, so there is an aspect of this where real journalism is needed and necessary, but there's also an aspect of this, as as Terrell and uh, Julian have both pointed out, where it's more just emotional. Just uh, there's a lack of emotional empathy. There's it's just more voyeurism for voyeurism's sake, where we're not treating our athletes right. Uh, we're not vetting who can who and what they can ask, as Terrell kind of hinted at earlier with with uh, Osaka and the Williams sisters over the years, just to name just to name three of just ridiculous questions. As you can tell by her statement, Naomi Osaka has no problem with journalism, incredible journalism and people asking her questions after a match. She but what I think she's trying to prevent and was trying to protect herself from during an emotional low time in her life is that she knew she was going to get some question from somebody that was completely out of pocket, that was completely sexist, that was completely ridiculous because I'm mm-hmm. sure she gets one almost every time she holds a press conference. And has been getting one every time she has a press conference since she started since he became one of the best tennis players in the world, probably a little bit even before that. Um, And so it's hard because there's a lot of good journalism being done. And I I, kind of defend this with the media in general is we always look at the bad journalism being done because it's bad journalism, right? It needs to be spotlighted, but then the media kind of gets lumped in together as this overarching entity that gets together on Sundays and plans (laughs) how they can terrorize the country. Oh, how can we ask, uh, how can we ask, Joe Biden, the most inane questions possible uh, (laughs) when we go to the White House briefing. Um, But some of this is the media's fault because we've let media get to a point where we're no longer thinking about how to do good journalism. We're thinking about how to be entertaining. That is, in my opinion, that is how capitalism has infected both the political media and the sports media is that instead of doing this to honestly cover athletes and get perspectives that we have not gotten on games that we love or get the actual policy questions that we need out into the world. We're doing it to have a soundbite on CNN. We're doing it to have a soundbite on, on ESPN. We're doing it to have a soundbite on first take. And that, that is a little bit unseemly. That's how you get the, Uh, Allen Iverson practice situation when uh, plot twist he had gone through so much shit that week from losing losing a family member to you know playing through injury to thinking he was going to be traded and not get traded and was excited and was excited to come out and tell the Philly fans that he was staying in Philadelphia and so then to get asked a question about practice and then another reason I think the media is is somewhat at fault for the culture that is you know bubbling up here is that they didn't even have the decency to put his quote in context for now yeah. no. so forever people and think that he, <laughs> people think that he no. doesn't like practice and that's right. not what he was saying
3: yeah what yeah. he was
0: saying is all this stuff that i do and you guys are going to ask me about one miss one right. one miss practice
2: practice like, like I, yeah. i've done so much for this organization I've yeah. put
0: so much
2: time and effort in this damn organization. I took this team on my motherfucking back and yeah. went all in four in the finals. Yeah. And you ask me the biggest question you're gonna ask me, is right. I miss one damn game of practice. Yeah. One damn day. I, sorry,
0: sorry, but like oh, no, I I, I, it's I, I a, it's, I'm it's just a, it's frustrating. It's a free-flowing conversation, baby. Feel free to interrupt. But what I will say is that this <laughs> is somewhat like the police situation. When you have so many bad actors acting within your industry, the good actors have to be lumped in with that because we have to be mm-hmm. the ones to police the bad actors. Right. If 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 good actors are not speaking out on the people who are acting in bad faith, then they are complicit in the people who are acting in bad faith running amok. That is how it works in the police, and to, and that's how it works with us now sports you can say is a little bit more of a you know a playpen i like to have fun and i but at the end of the day your fun needs to be within the bounds of human decency it needs to consider that these people that these these athletes are still human um and i i just want to get the story out real real quick before i kind of we kind of get more generally back into this this these ideas is that i when i covered ut basketball cuz uh in 2011 2012, uh, me and my friend Antonio Morales, who is still a, a print journalist uh, up in Austin, we were covering the UT basketball. And we, we had a very specific way in which we wanted to cover it because there's a there's a storyline within the season of how UT would keep having big leads or keep getting down early jacobin brown who was their star player at the time would oh bring them God. back and then inevitably because he's the only one doing any scoring he would make some mistake at the end of the game mistake, and yep. they would lose and then rick barnes would trot jacobin brown's ass out there and he would have to answer a thousand media questions and he was the only one rick barnes ever sent out there and i, I me and antonio were kind of like why is jacobin brown the sacrificial lamb for this team's yeah. struggles he clearly is uncomfortable i was like rick barnes it is talking to the media, but he's not like giving us sufficient answers to, to be fair to begin with. And then this kid who's not like not even out of college right. is is out here having to speak about like the worst moment of every game. Like yeah. he's the reason it felt like I, I I can't explain why necessarily because it was just a feeling at the time. But it felt like Rick Barnes was giving us Jacob and Brown to be sacrificed on the pyre, mm. even though Jacob and Brown is pretty much the only reason anyone was even close to winning that game. Uh, not Rick, not Rick Barnes, not his teammates. God bless them. I'm sure they're great people, but they were not good that year, uh, especially when Jacobin Brown needed them. And not Rick Barnes' game planning. Jacobin Brown was the only reason UT was anywhere near winning any of those games, and yet he's the Hot only take. one coming out here, right. <laughs> uh, giving Hot us take. giving us answers. So it's, it's, it's a voyeurism. There,
2: so, well, he's the leader. Yeah, but yeah. so there's and a I voyeurism. Take, you're to the this. only person. Well, you're the only fucking person that was doing that. And then when I went to UT 2012, 2013, doing the same damn thing. Like, what? What do you ask him to do? Like, what, what? What the fuck is he supposed to do at that point? But yes, continue. Sorry.
0: And, and so it, it, it can it can get unseemly, and some of that is the job. Um, some of that is you know I'm not, I I don't believe in the whole they get paid to do this. They get paid, right. especially college athletes. They don't get paid at all. But especially right. professional athletes, they get paid to do their job. Some of their job requires media obligations, but their job is not media obligations. So when I get, I hate when fans like, well, this is what they get paid to do. They do not get paid to do that. Like it is a part of their, it is a part of their profession that they have to accept. And I do understand that. And they understand that too. I don't think you will hear any athlete say that they don't accept that. They have to talk to the media. Sometimes that they know what the media means to their business model and how it helps their game. They're not stupid. um, And frankly, we need the media as well because we don't want if you're because i've seen this on twitter too there's also the other extreme where fans are like we don't need we don't need press conferences and media availability at all because (laughs) the athletes can just say whatever they want on on instagram i'm like well well, Well, you want to just take their word for it i mean there's a reason the press exists all right and so you kind of see it on both sides the media is necessary but at the same time that doesn't give you a blank check to treat the athletes however you want
1: you know what's interesting is you you brought that up and it and it actually was something that I was thinking about earlier, but um, I, while we can all agree that access has changed with social media, um, I don't think anybody believes that that basically makes or it begins to make um, you know traditional media obsolete. That's not that's not what I don't think it, you know, I don't think it, and, and I, I know that's not what you were insinuating, but I mean, I, it, the, the point is, is it's another type of media, social media that is. And so it, these days, there is no such thing as, oh, well, that person, we, we don't hear from that person. We don't know anything about that person unless the press gets involved. No, dude, like a lot of these, I mean, come on, man, we, we joke about KD and his fucking burner accounts because he probably got about 80 of them. You know, we talk <laughs> about that shit. Bottom line, though, is, is that, you know what, it, it, it goes back to that whole obligation thing. It's funny to me because I feel like people like KD and some of these other players that a lot of people feel in the media feel like are not as accessible or maybe they don't get the kind of information they want out of them. It takes me back to um, Marshawn Lynch. Um, a lot of these, a lot of the people Thank in the press feel like they don't get enough because that's the funny thing. It's not always just, Oh, we, they, he, they, none of these players say absolutely nothing to the press. None of them do because of the fact that they have these obligations that are put on them by the organizations they play for. But that being said,
0: uh, it, just, to, it, just to cut you off real quick there, uh-huh. that's the thing, right? Naomi Osaka could have very well just gone out there and gone through the motions and given no kind of uh, right. no kind of answers. And then people would be like, well, why is she treating the press this way? Uh, and, it, and, yes. And the reason she's treating the press this way is because she's out of energy. She can't expend the amount of energy necessary to feign to give you a stock answer. And so then she'll get criticized for that. that mm-hmm. And that's the, that's kind of the implicit thing we know about how the media – covers these athletes is if they play the game they're fine but the moment that they don't you know play quote unquote play the game and give you the you know they kind of show a little bit of humanity that's yeah. when they get the criticism from a first mm-hmm. take from a undis- un- undisputed right is that what yeah it's and undisputed. It yeah. undisputed and, and so it, it's kind of a damned if you do damned if you don't situation and right. Osaka who has a lot of weight on her shoulders right now is like I just I don't have the mental energy to do, to, to play this game right now yeah, she's 23. Uh,
2: and,
1: right. And 23, so
0: bring,
2: dude. <laughs> like, bringing that up there really quick, just to explain, I was thinking about that as soon as Terrell said that. What's so funny to me is, is you know, let's use Marshawn as an example. Like Marshawn, we, we know from his entire career in Seattle, like he does not, he really specifically when he was coming to like playoffs or anywhere to the Super Bowl, he doesn't really give a shit talking to the press, right? And I don't think – I don't think it's due to anything just not being like mentally there or anything like that it's just he doesn't want to give his time to something that really doesn't mean shit to him to be honest in my opinion right and what I like about Marshawn or what I like about different media outlets which I think is the good side of media in a sense is when you have like complex sports asking them different questions that you would normally get out of there or you know when there's other media outlets that goes out and it's like hey Marshawn don't let's not talk about your sports or let's talk about your career. Let's talk about your lifestyle. Like Mm. one, when he sat there and I remember I forgot what media outlet was, but when he sat there and talked about like, he doesn't touch any of his advertisement deals. Like he has not touched that money ever. And he's using it to basically help his community out and doing better since past retirement. And I'm like, see, that's the kind of questions I think the media should be able to ask those questions about. Right. And I I hate to say this and it's, I I feel like this is just me being on the, temp um at a you know just ranting at this point it's like how many people after lebron built up his charter school in Akron gave a shit about it after he did it right yeah like how many people are asking like okay so how is that business going how how is that helping producing that or you know talking about you know ah, damn what's his name in his show on hbo where is it the shop i think
1: yeah. Barbershop. They were, well, it was like barbershop talk and they slightly changed the name to it. But, yeah, they
2: changed it again. Right. And so literally when he does stuff like that and most of the proceeds, when like things happen, they would give proceeds to his school and other places like that. But nobody gives a fuck about that. Right. Like they don't talk. Like, Yeah. You don't hear questions about it. And what bothers me so much and well, not bothers me, but one thing that I, I think that the media needs to do, which is a long gated conversation that I think we couldn't do on this podcast right now, is that. The problem is, is as you were mentioning, Terrell, and Derek, just a little bit, social media has changed access, right? Whereas back in the day, publications, you know, let's, I'm just going to say New York Times, you know, LA Times, like all of them, they had that access. They were able to get that access just because of their pristine of their, you know, newspaper business. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, which I, I hate to be that Debbie Downer at this point, but the, the, the paper business, the paper publication is almost obsolete at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't get papers up in my front doorstep like I used to. Sure. Shit, I'm, that damn, I feel old now. Um, but anyways, like you don't get that anymore. And now what's happening now is they have to find some way to keep their business afloat. So what they have to do is on their website, what they're doing now is putting $2 a week or, you know, go to Apple News and do a subscription with Apple Plus News and mm-hmm. stuff like that and they're trying to find a way to keep themselves going, which now goes to the point where Derek was saying earlier, it it goes from, okay, I'm doing this for integrity. I'm doing Nobel Peace Prize award-winning news reportage on things that happen in Syria, Liberia, things like that, to, okay, I need to do something that's going to get us clicks. At this point, I need us to have something that's going to get us the views, get us the clicks, so we can keep our business afloat. And I think that's where our shift went from like, okay, let's do integrity to, okay, let's just get as much access as we can. So mm-hmm. when the one time they do fuck up or the one time that we get that boisting noise that we want, we can post that and be the first person to give that up and we're the ones who's getting all the, the money for that. You know? And so I, I agree that there's you know some good ones down the road or good ones that are basically doing the necessary things to make sure that their players aren't getting burnt out or athletes aren't getting burnt out. Like my favorite thing is is when I'm a huge movie guy. Um, mm-hmm. if nobody knows, like I, I watch and travel with news all the time, with movie news. And one of my things is one of my favorite publication uh movie places is just asking act, I mean, actors about dumb shit about their life. Like, yeah, oh, I saw that you were doing XYZ on your Instagram. Tell us about that. Or, okay, yeah, you're doing this cool movie, but let's talk about like what did you do to prepare for it? But also like, did you have time doing X, Y, and Z? How'd you do R and R things like that? And I'm like, see, that's that's the kind of news that I want to hear about. That's the kind of things that mm. I want to, I'm interested in because I don't want to keep hearing about, oh, how did this role teach you? what kind of intense training did you Uh, do put yourself in this kind of mindset like i don't give a fuck sorry i don't give a shit i want to know like did they help themselves mentally and emotionally while they're going through all that you know and long story short i i think that we need to change well the media needs to change its way of the dynamic of that and unfortunately as with the trump era we kind of shifted harder towards getting more clicks instead of the integrity side of it and it's, I think that that change needs to happen too. So.
0: It's a, it's a it's like with anything. It's a it's a cultural issue um, that, in my opinion, is rooted in in capitalism, um, yeah. because the media business has had to shift over the years, in some ways for the better, in some ways for the worse, um, to cater more towards the consumer. So the yeah. consu- like w- when people what people don't realize and it's funny, you see people ranting on Facebook about the media. What people don't realize is that they are directly responsible for why the media has shifted into this, into what it is shifted yeah. into, because the media is trying to cater to your needs. Oh, it, you're a hardcore. Yeah. You're a hardcore Democrat. Here's a whole right. station dedicated to the liberal side of of media. Oh, you're a hardcore right. Christian conservative. Here's a whole fucking station called Fox News dedicated to just giving you your side. <laughs> of, and not of, only that.
1: But they took the it, it, at some point and it was probably during
0: my lifetime,
1: although I'm sure to a smaller degree, it was done, you know, several, de- you know, many, many decades ago. But at some point. It became first. I got to have this. out. I got to be the first. first one
2: first. Yes.
1: It doesn't matter if it's true. Doesn't matter if we have all the facts. It doesn't matter. I just have to be out there and get it first, because if I get something out there first. People are going to tune in to get the rest of it. They at some point, the media started treating and, I'm, you know, it's more or less cable news. They started treating the news like an episodic TV program. What do they do at the end of an episodic TV program, especially the dramas? What do they do at the end of that program? You either get a to be continued or you get something that makes you say shit. Now I got to turn in. I got to tune, tune into to the next episode. Nowadays we binge watch, but you know, when I was, when we were younger, it was, you know, you just had to tune in and next week to the next week. episode. So that's what they're doing now. And it's been like that for a while, but we see it in sports in a way because it's like, I honestly feel like they still think, and we're talking about this situation with you know Naomi Osaka and, 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 and so, some of these other athletes. I still feel like for some reason they think that they're going to ask these questions at this time when this player might, be, or this athlete might be extremely vulnerable. I almost feel like they still think they're going to get something that nobody else is going to get. And I'm going to get it right now. I'm going to be the person that asked this question at this point. at at, you know when this player is at their lowest and i gotta get it and it feels to me like this is just some sort of like bastardized version of the i've got to report something as quickly as possible whether i know what the fuck is going on or not and i'm gonna do it and yeah and, and, and 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 I'm going to be that person and now my name is going to be out there and my, my outlet is going to be out there and people are going to see it. And like you talked about clickbait and that's what it feels like is going on with some of the grievances that, and I, and again, I understand Naomi Osaka is is so much, her situation is so much more deeply rooted in her own, you know, emotional um, uh, situation and, and her mental situation and just getting herself right. But that being said, this leads to, some of the things that she said she's going through which is again, you know, just this idea that I've got to get this big gotcha thing out there or I've got to jump out and I've got to get this first so that I can say that I got this first and people will know I asked this question regardless of how it makes this player or this athlete feel. And and that's whack because I don't think that's a necessity In the media. Maybe I'm old fashioned, but I don't think that's a necessity. I understand getting the story as quickly as possible or getting the story as in depth as possible as you can. But the idea that you've got to get the rawest emotion out of somebody minutes after they've just gone through something that maybe was very, you know, you know, unsettling to them, or maybe minute it's like, I don't want to interview a mother that has literally lost their child five minutes prior. I know that's kind of an extreme example, but that's what I think about when I see these players, when I see somebody shove a microphone in front of these players, I cringe when they do it to coaches, even though the coaches I think probably are a little bit more equipped to answer a question at the spur of a moment like that during a game um, or, or right after a game, um, I feel like the players shouldn't have to go through that. And I feel that that is sort of like what I see when I get like, you know, Kyrie Irving at the half or, or Steph Curry at the half in a game, they're down by, you know, X amount of points. I know they typically go for the player that's maybe winning or what have you, but that being said, I, you know, I just don't like that.
0: We we I don't, now real quick. we oh no oh. because oh, we we now return to Derek midpoint. So um no nah, <laughs> go go ahead Julian I, I thought gonna say, you well, was done B I, I was no I was at the very tip of the beginning of
2: sorry. My, oh, sorry. Oh, my sorry sorry we went on two tangents on you but that's what I was gonna say I'm gonna bring it back really quick so <laughs> Terrell's to, to, point which bothered me so much I'm even use this week as an example this past week I mean didn't the Phoenix blow lakers out in game five by almost 30 right and oh why, God. like why in the hell are you asking frank vogel how does he feel about his performance with the team in half point like what kind of what what
0: the what, well, I, well, why I t- might, well i'll tell you my boy capitalism <laughs> uh when the rights deal was negotiated by espn the espn was like hey man we need access and so they gave them access and so the nba says frank vogel every game on national television you're going to speak to the media no matter what and you they're going to ask you two stupid questions you're going to give two stupid responses and no one really cares about your answers but here you go. And so that's again that's how money we call
1: that fuckery.
0: And that's how money <laughs> affects this whole a whole system um which is back to back to my point which is uh you know this as culture as we've gotten more voices in, in the media, we've also lost a little bit of the track because doing quality journal- journalism is, is actually very hard. It's actually very expensive. And so as we've entered more voices into the arena, um, that has diluted the quality of the journalism. It, it, it just has. Now, I, I don't know how to fix that c- c- per se, because I, I don't want. What I don't want is these companies, is is a is the NBA regulating who can and cannot speak to the athletes because then you have a whole different problem that mm-hmm. becomes the actual corporate structure is the one dictating what access to the information you're getting and that's 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 worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there has to be some kind of middle ground we can find uh, where we're talking to our we're treating our athletes like humans. We're letting credible journalists do credible journalism, but not doing some of the more unsleemly things that we, that we do. Um, and it's hard. I'm not sure, you know, it used to be that you had to interview an athlete right after the game because journalism's were on, journalists were on deadlines more mm-hmm. and more. So that's not the case. Um, no. And that's what I think that's some of what Naomi Osaka means. Some of these systems are frankly outdated and don't need to be in place in the way that they are. Um, one of the suggestions that I know Daniel said was that maybe they need to continue to be on zoom. Um, mm. Because you know it's a lot. It's a lot chiller. It's a lot less. It, it feels like a lot less pressure for the athletes because there's not a thousand people in front of them with a thousand cameras. Um, at the same time, I know what the counter argument to that is going to be from journalists. It's like I need to be in the room where it happens. <laughs> you know, I need to. I need that access so that mm. I can do my job. Um, and there is there is a truth to that. um And so mm. th- it's up to cr- it's up to it's up to journalists, the media. Um, it's up to the the, the people who are acting in good faith to come up with solutions to be able to police the bad apples uh, and continue to kind of root them out. Um, and I know there's bad apples because I, I've been a part of that system, right? Sure. Um, I was a dude who was covering the Seattle Seahawks from San Antonio. In some ways, that's a great innovation that I could be able to do that. In some ways, that's a problem because I don't have to yeah. answer to Richard Sherman. <laughs> Richard Sherman is never going to see me in his locker room. say whatever
1: you want to say. Yeah, I, in
0: theory, <laughs> if I'm not responsible, which is is completely allowed to me, no one was really policing me. I was kind of just doing my own thing. I could do almost whatever I want. And all that mattered is if I got clicks, um, which I did. But th- that, is, um, that is how we got to some of the situation because – to keep that entity afloat that I worked for, um, we had to get eyeballs. How do you get eyeballs? You sensationalize a little bit. Now yep. I, I could justify it to myself as, well, it's just sports; it really doesn't matter. But sometimes it did matter. Um, and an, a headline I just outright refused to to uh, traffic on was when pe- they kept wanting to call it the national anthem protest, and I hmm. wouldn't call it that. Um, not. But it, but that's not, it, that's not what it was. <laughs> Um, but they wanted it to be that way because that's what drummed up the hate clicks. That's what yeah. drummed up people clicking on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so often now, because of the, the monetary aspect, because of how journalism is, because of how media is, good journalists have to sacrifice their morals a little bit to kind of, my, my for instance, my justification for that was I had to do some of that stuff. Now, there's a line that I would not cross, but I have to do some of the more unseemly, clickbaity type headlines. Mm-hmm. Oh, Russell Wilson made a big announcement. Oh, he, he didn't really make that big of a. An yeah. Announcement. I had to do some of that kind of stuff, uh, so that I could cover the 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 protests. In, in detail so I could right. I could do some of the I could get some of those opinions and pieces out there and I could give the the black athlete a, a, an elevated voice. And so that's how I had to justify it in my head. And that's a lot of calculus that journalism that journalists are having to make because of the landscape of the media. Um, right. And so it, it's time to police some of that stuff. It's time to think about critical ways in which we can get away from some of that type of journalism, but still get people a living because you still got to live. You got to eat. You know, I still got yeah. to make money. Right. I still have to survive. I'm not saying I need to, you know, be in a mansion, but I got to I got to keep the lights on. Right. And right, so that's no the guy, no. that's that's the dichotomy of what's happening right now in the media landscape from a political aspect, from a sports journalism aspect. And these questions are, are more important than ever, because last thing to get on this po- part of my point, and then, you, you know, I, I, I can feel you all wanting to get back in here to say more <laughs> things,
3: uh, is that
0: Donald Trump was not wrong about that. There is a problem with how the media covers politics. Sure. He's just part of the reason why media covering politics is broken. And he was disingenuous about the response that needed to happen as a result. But just because he's just because he was dumb in his approach doesn't mean his 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 answer was completely incorrect. It was not right. It's just, that, it's just the
2: way he went about it and exploited the well, media yeah. outlets to and, get his point and of view. And, right. I mean, yeah. and that
0: caused a completely different problem because when you misdiagnose – when you diagnose the problem correctly but then you misdiagnose the answer, then you right. then create a whole new problem because then it becomes harder for us to go back and do it all again correctly. That's why exactly. these things are so important. That's why I would get mad. I would get furious and be like, yes, you're right. The media is broken. It's not yeah. broken in the way that you think it is. And it, the <laughs> fix is not what you think it is. And so – Um, that's my, my two cents on, on, on the media and why it's, we're kind of in this state and, you know, I don't have the all in all solution. Um, I just know that there's smarter people than I need to get together and kind of listen to the athletes on how they're, how they're, how we should kind of clean some of this stuff up. I, I don't
1: even know that it's a solution as much as it's a adaptation, I just feel like, and and don't get me wrong, I think there are some outlets um, that are trying their best to merge the social media aspect with the traditional media aspect of things. Um, I've seen it. Um, An interesting thing, and I don't know how you guys feel about Bleacher Report, but I have the Bleacher Report app just because I love the fact that I get alerts a lot and often. But what I found interesting was I started paying attention a little bit more to the Bleacher Report app. And the reason why is because I noticed that like stories will pop up and it's kind of got its own little social media within Bleacher Report. So like you go in there, people can follow you, you can comment on stuff just like you would on Facebook or Instagram or what have you. You can like things, but they have a little fire thing that you push and you can, you know, if you like something. And I found that interesting. Now it's not, definitely hasn't caught on. I'm sure it has its own little pocket of people that are really hardcore into it. But that being said, it hasn't caught on like any other, you know, the typical type of social media, but when I looked at that, and I thought to myself, you know, you know, it would be interesting if you know, you know, because they seem to get a lot of their stuff is not like it's there's not like there isn't a there isn't a particular person that I've seen that's like I am a Bleacher Report reporter. I write for Bleacher Report. I do this for Bleacher Report. I don't necessarily see that. Um, well, because like not. I do right, because like I see with ESPN or like I see with some of the other outlets. But it would be kind of cool if they did have that because I feel like, to me, they feel like they have a better, as I get a Bleacher Report message right now, um, um, (laughs) Nets take game one. Um, So as I'm looking at that, um, you know, I'm thinking to myself, like, do I don't, obviously they're trying to do something a little bit different than maybe your ESPNs and your Fox apps and stuff like that. But that being said, I feel like they're at least making an attempt Uh, to kind of have that crossover where they can kind of embrace social media and use some of the parts of social media that people enjoy while still putting out stories like, okay, well, here's a story that such and such wrote. Um, So, you know... I feel like it's got to be more of an adaptation of like, okay, guess what? People aren't going to go buy your freaking newspaper on a corner in Brooklyn. People aren't going to go and do this and do, you know, they're they're not going to do the usual stuff. Nowadays, people trying to get away from even watching. I don't even watch local news here in San Antonio, to be honest with you. So it's like, you know, I, I think when I see that, it says to me that people are looking for their information it's funny because you, you talked about this, Derek, we want things quick. We want things immediately and we want to know everything as quickly as humanly possible. And I think if you're going to get something like that from the media, even though I feel like it's dumb uh, to expect that, I think you got a better chance of getting it through a social media type situation than you do out of traditional media. And um,
0: well, here's, here's the rub with that. Right. Cause again, I, I've been in that industry. And so And the reason I say that is here's here's how Bleacher Report does it. They are largely an aggregated, an aggregating site. And so if I wrote something about the Seahawks on Monday and especially if we're in the smack dab middle of July, very well could see that on Bleacher Report on Tuesday as some kind of news, even though it's not news because I'm not there. So that's not news. That's just me speaking on somebody else's news. But -hmm. the problem with that is. Eventually, the, the further down the line we get on that kind of aggregation, and one of the reasons that this has become such a big problem within media and trying to monetize this, is eventually if, for instance, Bob Condotta of the Seattle Times, mm. if, he, if the Seattle Times got a business because we're not buying newspapers, right? Bob Condotta is laid off, right? Wow. There's no yes. longer a Seahawks reporter. If there's no Seahawks reporter, I no longer could do my job because my job right. wasn't to be in Seattle. It was to see what the Seattle media was saying and then aggregate that. Mm. So now I can't do my job. So if I can't do my job, what will Bleacher Report have then? They right. won't have anything. Down. Right. It, it, so we have to be careful. So They rely on it. Yeah, we have to be yes. careful about how we're changing our media, because if we go if we get away from the source of the actual news, the people who are actually doing the, the boots on the ground reporting, then all of a sudden we have nothing yeah. <laughs> and we find ourselves with no content. Um, And I'm not saying it could ever truly get that bad. I'm not sure. But I'm just saying as these brick and mortar places go out of business, if we put them out of business because aggregation gets so down the line that Bleacher Report's aggregating an aggregator who aggregated another aggregator who aggregated another aggregator, then that's why there's no one asking any credible questions at the press conference. It feels like the question is how
2: can they work together? So I was going to say to his point, which is quite interesting because I didn't. I I realize that that's a thing that's, again, in the movie business as well, because one of my favorite people, our favorite publications that I get movie reviews for, because I don't do Rotten Tomatoes, fuck Rotten Tomatoes, um, in my personal opinion. Um, we'll, We'll talk about that later, but like... Hollywood Reporter does the exact same thing. They have integral people who has been watching films for 30, 40 years, who's been doing journalism on fo- on films for that long. And so I'd sit there and listen and read their mm-hmm. journalism, like reviews on things. And that's what makes me say, okay, I'm gonna watch this or I'm not gonna watch it. Mm-hmm. Now, for a lot of people, now I'm not saying this is you guys on the podcast or just the audience in general, but this is majority of the people I know. The first thing they do before they go see a movie. Is go on Rotten Tomatoes or Wikipedia to go see what the score is, right? And my issue with that is just like how Derek is saying, it's all aggregated, right? So let's say, for instance, let's say, for instance, uh, let's use a choir place that just came out, right? It has about two to three hundred reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. What has now happened, and it's kind of doing the same thing with Bleacher Report, what's now happened now is that yes, you got your Hollywood Reporter, you got your variety, you got your deadline, all the big publications that does films, they have their reviews out there, right? Then you got LA Times, New York Times, all of them doing something. Now, what Rotten Tomatoes is doing now, YouTubers, Instagrammers, mm. and other like people who just watch movies just for the hell of it, who don't really been studying movies or been going to college and understanding certain dichotomy of like how storytelling works, are now a Rotten Tomatoes are verified and authorized reviewers and wow. they take their bits and say, okay, they did not like the movie. So that's a rotten rot- review. And that's kind of plays the part in how Rotten Tomatoes gets their score. And right. so for me, I'm like, there's no fucking point at this. I'm at this to look at that anymore. Cause like, I don't want to hear Sally Mae from like fucking California, like from like two hours <laughs> out of LA who hasn't really seen a movie, but the only movie right. she give a shit about is like the Marvel movies telling me that she didn't understand the quiet place because he was quiet all the goddamn time. Of course it was, but besides the point. And that's why I'm like, I, I get where you guys are coming from with at least in the sports journalism part. Cause it's like, what, what, how can you integrate both of those together? Yeah. And I feel like what's going to have to happen before we, we try to hope and pivot back to the f- uh, fan entitlement. I feel like with the media ent- entitlement, we got to, there has to be a way where you can mesh the two that doesn't damage your reputation. Mm-hmm. and unfortunately just the way that meet social media has been the last couple of years i don't know if there's a feasible way to do that right now and i agree with derek on that but i do believe for those older publications to keep themselves viable and make those money going they have to find a way to mesh in a sense with social media without losing the integrity of their newspaper mm-hmm.
0: yeah and it's just uh it's a matter it's a matter of when journalism. I don't want to wax poetic like journalism was, it was the sacred art that has slowly been disintegrated over time. Because mm. I don't, I don't believe, I don't necessarily believe that per se. But what I do, journalism's the principles of journalism used to be ninety percent reporting, ten percent opinion, and over mm, time yes. we've slowly shifted to where it's
3: probably Mostly seventy
0: percent. 70 percent opinion and 30 percent reporting and in some ways that's good because more varied voices get out there uh, more varied voices become stars of the media more varied voices get to chime in which is good because that's how you speak truth to power in general but it also means a lot more bad actors who can just you know i don't mind someone who has uh who Puts a lot of work into a YouTube channel and puts a lot of work into covering movies. Getting their say—that's that's, that's right. not per se the problem. And I don't necessarily want them gatekeeper keep, gatekept out of the situation. But there are some other people who are just like saying things just to get reactions, yes. and they get in there too. Yes. And so it, it's hard. It's Skip. <laughs> <laughs> even i i know skip's kind oh, of the easy guy to go to but even Skip by is the way a, is a credible journalist who covered sports for 15, right he, he is so. tv is what tv is
1: what got him acting like he acting now yes. um but you know just for the hell of it um yeah um and fuck, and, jason, uh, whitlock. fuck jason whitlock <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. uh, uh, and so that like, ba- more doesn't, so, doesn't
1: matter where he falls on the on that on that spectrum. Just fuck just Jason. Fuck Whitlock. Jason Whitlock.
0: Ironically, Jason Whitlock was was once more of a credible journalist. And he's uh, used that credibility to just be a fuckboy. You know? mm. <laughs> Big time. The, like he just the yeah. most the king of the hoteps, the most hotepiest Negro I've ever met. Anyway, um,
3: right. back,
0: back a little bit because we want to we want to get on out of here in a little bit. But back back a little bit to more of the fan entitlement. And I want to kind of focus that through this question. Do you think that Naomi Osaka handled this the right way? Um, Because what what I can say for sure is that the Grand Slams ganging up on her was completely unnecessary and completely out of pocket. There's a way in which they could have been empathetic to her situation Mm -hmm. while also saying, hey, but this is important. And they could have done both. And instead, they decided we're going to all gang up on her and we're going to release right. a statement and it's going to ha- it's going to lack any kind of feeling and empathy at all towards her plight. Hey, do your do your fucking job. It's basically how that reads in professionalities.
3: Yeah, hey, that's, that's hey, how I felt. Hey, yes.
0: do, hey um, These four entities who control a lot of your winnings and earnings and uh-huh. paycheck, do your fucking job and, and, and get back to work instead of how they could have handled it, which was with a lighter touch, not all ganging up on her, yeah. probably the French opened releasing a statement. Hey, we need you to do this, but we do also understand. We're going to try to work with you. We know this is a tough time. There is a way for them to have won on the situation, quote unquote, right. win. Um, and as usual, you know, me and Austin and you and Terrell, when we first started this podcast, we used to joke how we could make we could do better sports PR than the sports entities. As usual, <laughs> there's a chance for better sports uh. PR. Um, yeah. than what they did and instead they chose to gang up on her. Now that that was crazy but the root of what they said is somewhat true as well. She does have obligations when she comes to the sure. French Open and um, I'm all for mental health. I'm all for uh, f- saving your mental health. Um, if she felt like she truly didn't have the energy to do it, then don't do it and take the, recu- mm-hmm. take the consequences, which it seemed yeah. like she was willing to do. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, they should just gang up on her and, right. and release a, a joint statement. So I, I, I see kind of—I don't want to both sides it because I do think they were a bit out of pocket with how they handle it, and I do think she needs to protect her mental health first and foremost with, at all costs. At all costs. Um, but at the same time, they—they're running a—they're running a business that she's a part of, and she does right. benefit from highly. Um, and so you know there is an element of you do also need to do your job, which again I want to make very clear. She never suggested that she didn't have requirements to do her job. Even in her statement, right. she says the media is important. But you know, this was not a good time for her. She has a lot of yeah. weight on her shoulders. The Olympics are coming up. They're in her home. They're in her home country. Yeah. Um. She, so she's carrying that way. She's got a lot of weight on her shoulders, and so there has to be some kind of thought about that as well. And uh, go ahead. I'll, go
2: ahead,
1: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna shock everybody and be brief here. Um, she was in the right. Yeah. I don't care that there may have been some parts of what she did that was a little bit in artful when she did it, as far as like, just saying, I'm not doing press. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sort of shortening it up. She was a little bit more nuanced than that, but basically she was in the right. She did what she needed to do to keep herself right so that she could continue to play tennis down the line. Um, And she, she put her own mental health ahead of, everything else because in life that's really all you have regardless of what you do for a living you can't do it if your mental health isn't right and she did what she needed to do to get there so
0: if you if naomi uh, and god forbid she was feeling so low that she takes her own life but if she doesn't exist she can't play tennis for you Thank you. And that's uh, my
1: point. Yes. So that's why I feel like what she did was right, because because that mental health thing is not something to be fucked with. And so at 23 years old, I think it's amazing that she was able to self-assess and say, hey, nah, this isn't going to work for me right now. I've been dealing with this for a few years. And the other part of it is the fact that at 23 years old, not only was it great that she was able to You know, bring that out of herself and say, no, I got to be right, because I do have what could very well be a very long career ahead of me. I think everything she did was correct. Sure, you can always say things a little bit better, or you can always approach it a little bit better. But when it comes to your mental health, I don't think she did anything wrong, because it comes times with that mental health situation where you can go from zero to 100 real quick. And shit can get really, really dark. So you gotta, you gotta put, you gotta put a, 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 your plan in action to to help and save yourself. And so I don't have absolutely any issues with what she did. I think it was, I thought it was amazing, and I thought it was a really, really brave decision to make. And um, you know what? Here's what WTA could have done. They could have fucking said, guess what? She's probably not the only one that feels like this. They didn't have to say that publicly. But they could have said that to themselves. She's probably not the only player that feels like this. We've watched the Williams sisters get up on that podium, get up on that dais and do everything short of tell us to go fuck ourselves after big <laughs> matches. So let's be real. How yes. many times have we seen that shit? So like much. we you so heard much. what Venus said earlier this week. What does she say? Because they asked her about it. What do you think about this situation with Naomi Osaka? And what does she say? She basically said, I tell myself now, mind you, this is a woman that's damn near 40 years old. <laughs> she she said, I tell myself, can't none of y'all fuck with but, me. Yeah.
2: Y'all can't play with me. you will never be get to them. And I'm good.
1: And I'm good. But, <laughs> but then again, the these hell? are young ladies that have been raised by their fathers to play tennis from day one. And they they from, they from <laughs> they from Compton, bro. Like so. It doesn't surprise me that that's her approach and and probably even more so Serena's approach. That being said, Naomi Osaka is not them. No. OK. And that's not on a player level. That's on a human being level. That's on a black woman level. She's not them. She They don't have the same life experiences. So I'm happy for her that at 23 years old, she says my mental health is more important than all this shit. Nah, I'm I'm a chill. You know, the way, and they could have allowed her to just basically not fucking do some interviews because of the reason why she said she wasn't going to do it. They could have asked her some questions and said, you know what? We respect that. We're going to let her let this young lady play and we're going to keep it moving. I get the obligations, but damn the obligations. If somebody come to you and say, my, my mind is not right. Ten- playing tennis and with my headphones on in between matches is all that's going to get me from one match to the next. Let me do my thing. And I'm going to put on a show and I'm going to bring the money in. But don't fucking sit here and tell me that you're going to be petty and shit, because I'm telling y'all these these this press is out here acting a fool in between these matches. And so, you know what? Um, I think everything she did was correct. And again, I'm proud of her at 23 years old to be able to do that, because at 23 years old, I could barely tell you what a fucking gas station was. Uh, so uh, v- good Venus, for her.
0: Venus Williams is not damn near 40. She is exactly 40. Uh okay. just, wanted to, just wanted to get that in. I but, don't expect you to yeah. know that. Just, just just, thought it was funny. You I like, guessed. This. I fucking guessed. <laughs> you were, I so, literally you were guessed. so close. <laughs> I uh, literally guessed. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, my jail. So my my thing
2: is, is I, I agree with Terrell wholeheartedly. I feel like maybe she could have said, hey, in the beginning of French Open, instead of just saying, I'm not trying to do any press, maybe she could have said, hey, I'm going through something mentally and something like that. But again, we don't know what the conversation was. Right. We just know what she said openly to the public, right? She could have told the French Open, hey, I'm going through something right now and I just don't feel like, you know, going through these. And They probably still doubled down on it and basically felt that way about it. We don't know. All I'm going to say is, is that if she, I think she did everything she did, she needed to do to get herself moving forward, right? And even Sloane Stevens, Coco Golf, and I believe, and William Williams sisters have both said, like, there needs to be a discussion because mm-hmm. there are multiple times where I go to play in these damn courts. I don't give a shit about your questions. I don't right. like. I got things that I'm going with, and like I, I, I completely agree with you, Terrell. Because like I watching, I was gonna say when you were talking about you watching it, <laughs> way back then, I started watching tennis. When the Venus sisters, I mean the Venus sisters, the Williams sisters were playing together, right? <laughs> yeah. And watching them play in the early mid two thousands and being like, "Damn, these black girls are whipping people's asses in tennis!" Like this and is and they cool didn't like shit. that shit. And again, country club sport. No. Right, and and my thing was, it's like you could even tell them when I was like when I was younger, like they, you could tell that they really didn't want to talk to the press. They didn't, like you said, they didn't really want to talk to them and answer their dumbass questions about certain things or when they lost a uh, set or lost a match and you don't want to hear yeah. that shit right and so i i feel like i don't think that naomi has done anything wrong i feel like maybe maybe and i'm just saying maybe because we don't know the full spectrum she could have said something in front of them but again us fans don't need to know the whole story of her life right we don't need to know hey I'm going through a mental point right now so if you don't guys hear me at a french open it's because of that okay right the, the, athletes do not have an obligation to tell me that they are emotionally going through something or mentally yeah. going through something they don't have that obligation and i feel like what happened with her tweet before she sent that big tweet about saying why she's withdrawing from the open and she was going through depression and she saying you know it um understanding makes people uncomfortable it's like so many of those tweets under that thread were just so much hate and it was just so much of it was just coming from a place of like non-understanding and I'm just sitting there like why are we attacking her just because she said a quote about something that she's probably dealing with and you could tell and I I hate to say this but you you could somewhat tell when somebody is going through something when most of the time when Naomi's very quiet she don't really talk much she will talk about you know Black Lives things or Black Lives Matter movements and talk about like people who have died from like police brutality and things like that. But when it comes to her personal life, she really didn't talk about that. And when she came up with that quote, I, literally the first thing that came up to mind was like, something's gone, something something's wrong. And I, I want to know what's going on instead of being like, you need to get out there and go fucking do those interviews because they're paying you millions of dollars. And it's just like, I, I agree. Long story short, I just feel like empathy, the, that's the word of the day for me is empathy. And I feel like a lot of yeah. people don't understand empathy anymore. It's all about do this for us because we're watching. Not we professional athletes. No.
0: and uh, it, It's this thing in America we have where because you make a certain amount of money, you somehow have forfeited your right to be a living and breathing human. Um, and it's specifically... Specifically, if you're a black person who has a lot of money, you forfeited your right to be a living and breathing human. Though, um, white athletes get it as well. I, I it's a sports thing because we really don't okay. treat it's so There's empathy for the uh, billionaire not losing one of his billions when we're trying when it's tax time, and I'm not sure where that comes from, but we don't have empathy for millionaires having a mental health crisis, and so it, it, it's very weird. Um, wh- I don't do a lot of making fun of KD. Uh, kevin durant on twitter um even though he says some out-of-pocket things and he can say some weird things and the reason i don't do that is because a i'm just not a big haha look at the athlete let's laugh at him guy that's just not how Mm -hmm. i get down personally but also we invaded his space first that's why he people don't want to talk about this part of it the way the reason KD acts the way that he acts is because we invaded his privacy first yes and now he's always on the defensive because he feels attacked because we did attack him. Um, he, he, he was just a dude who was kind of had this very public media, haha, all shucks persona. And then we, he gave us the real version of himself and people didn't like that. And he's been getting shit on ever since. And so now of course he has a thousand burners defending himself because he, he's a human being and you've You're clipped being, him. Yeah. And so of course he's going to react in a human way i'm not saying everything he does is right obviously not i'm not saying he doesn't say some out-of-pocket stuff sometimes or does some things that are probably beneath him but at the same time he's a human and he's going to react humanly when you treat him with disrespect and i I say that to tie it back into naomi naomi osaka which is that she has a certain personality right she's not as y'all said she's not the williams sisters who are a lot um thankfully for uh, as forerunners are a lot, I don't want to say tougher, because that's not no, that's not the word I'm looking for, or, or thick skin, because that's not the word I'm looking for. But they're a lot more boisterous about their their emotions and what they're thinking, and they, they're a lot more assertive. Not everyone is assertive. And so some of the media stuff that we have to think about is that everybody isn't the same kind of personality, and you can't treat them all the same way. Um, right. Now, that's not to say that Naomi Osaka should get some kind of preferential treatment over the Williams sisters, but she should be treated differently because she's a different human with a different set of sensibilities and a different way about going about things. She is, as she said, she is more introverted, whereas they are more extroverted. Um, And me and Daniel talk about this a lot because he's publicly more extroverted than I can be. And then, but sometimes we kind of reverse (laughs) in that that way as well. And so you can't treat us the same way. That's not giving one of us preferential treatment, but it is dealing with us the way that we are. Um, At the same time, you don't want to go too far into that because sometimes you then burden the extrovert with more of a responsibility because they are more extroverted. Um, we were talking about that in terms of relationships because you know, if you get into a relationship with an extrovert and then you're always they're always the one who has to be like, Oh, here's exactly what I'm thinking, while the right. introvert doesn't have to go through that. And that can be a problem, there can be a dichotomy there There's that a is a, 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 a power yeah. imbalance. And so it's it's every like in everything, it's a balance in life. Um to where you want to treat people the way that they need to be treated, but you also have to treat people fairly, but that doesn't necessarily, equity and fairness are not exactly the same thing. No. Um, because people are different and need to be treated differently. Um, I want to be very clear because I said something earlier about Naomi Osaka and God forbid she c- commits you know, suicide that she can't play tennis. That's not I didn't say that because the most important thing about her is to continue to play tennis for us. Right. I was just saying it purely from their standpoint of if you, even if you can't do the bare minimum of, you know, empathizing with her as a human. Right. Think about your product because you're jeopardizing it. Um, and that's what we always say in these situations, Terrell. We said that with the Houston Astros, if you can't be a decent human, at right. the bare minimum, think about yourself and your products and, and act accordingly. But so often these organizations can't. Um, where it comes to Naomi Osaka, I'm glad that she protected her, her mental health first and foremost. We talk about it's a common Facebook meme at this point where we talk about these jobs, their jobs. They're going to use you up. So make sure you yeah. take your breaks. Make sure you take your vacation time. Make sure you take your, you protect your mental health. Because if you don't, they're not going to do it for you.
1: No True story.
0: And the most important thing in this world is to protect your health, be it physical or mental, uh-huh. especially mental. Because once you lose either one of those aspects of your life, life gets so much harder. I can speak it to really that because my dad yes. has been dealing with health issues since I was eight. And it's, it's adversely affected my life. But more importantly, it's affected his life and his quality of life. He couldn't he hasn't been able to go on a roller coaster with me since I was eight because he had a heart attack and he can't go on roller coasters now. And oh, wow. I know that seems like a small thing, but, you know, not. I re- but I remember those things. I remember yeah. when my dad could go on a roller coaster with me and then when it stopped. Mm-hmm. And so it's little things like that. And when it comes to health. And so I'm glad, first and foremost, she protected herself, um, how she handled it a little unseemly, probably. But again, she's human. And even she can admit that she could have probably handled it a little bit better, but always protect your mental health first and foremost, because these employers are just that they are just employers and they will like to pretend like they will treat you like they are family, like you are family, but then they will show you time and time again, you are not family. All right. So um, I, I, I for one, I'm glad that she, she stood up for herself. Um, it, it, is it going to feel good to the rest of us? Well, maybe not, I guess, I don't know. Um, but yeah. Because she does have obligations and responsibilities, and that's the, this. What's funny is that that's what scares. Again, I, I, the reason Daniel's on the show is because we have a lot of these conversations off 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 air, and he's always saying insightful things. And so I I wanted to not keep saying, "Well, Daniel and I are talking about," but in, in this case, it was it's it actually is pretty insightful what he said here. So I, I just want to repeat it, which is that. We were talking with his brother, who's a manager at HEB, which is a local grocery store here, Um, and he doesn't quite understand mental health. And so when people tell him about their mental health failing, he automatically just kind of is like, oh, I don't understand that, but I guess you need to be coddled now. Um, And so this scares employees because they don't know how to handle it. And so they think and so it's very easy for someone to be like, hey, I'm having mental health issue and not really necessarily having a mental health issue. They're just kind of gaming the system when you're not informed about mental health. Yeah, you don't know what to do. And so it's incumbent upon these employers to get informed about mental health. And so they can not only understand when someone needs to be coddled or when someone needs to be discussed further about their job duties so that they can continue to be a productive worker but also so that they can also know when they're getting a little bit gamed when someone's kind of relying on it like a crutch instead of yeah. actually kind of trying to address the underlying issues at hand when you don't yes. know what you're doing you can't do that so that this all goes into one big bucket right. <laughs> right of how you're supposed to handle these situations um and employers are intimidated right now by it and so it's making for sure. ineffective leadership that's cuz that's what this is what leadership is right mm-hmm. You see what is wrong, and you try to fix it, but you can't do that if you don't empathize with it and don't understand it.
2: Agree, and, and that's why I say it. the word of the day is entitlement. But the word we really should be uh, thinking about you, is you, empathy.
0: Don't don't try to act like you you care about my word of the day. Now you stepped on it. And you, you came up with your own word of the day. Don't try to pretend like 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 it's a both situation. You clearly were like, you know what? Fuck Derek's word. I'm gonna have my own word. I'm the guest. I'm, oh, feeling, I'm, fi- I'm, right feeling, I'm feeling I'm feeling I'm I'm in for three people. He's not filling in for three people. He's doing his normal job, right? And so, and so I, I I caught it. Don't don't think I didn't see what was going on. I I caught that. Uh, Hip to the game, homie. Just
2: I did not want it to be that way when it came out of <laughs> shit. I said it. I
0: did not know. <laughs> it to be I this just, way. I didn't want it to be that way, but it is. <laughs> just, uh, Terrell, would you say it is time or I do?
1: It is time.
0: It is time. Yeah, I, I, I have a curve. I actually intentionally, for once, didn't uh, tell y'all what my plan was because I wanted to kind of spring this on you. I have, oh. and is this your king? Oh, but it's an actual. I'm actually going to. He actually is my king. Oh wow! Because of what he's what he said, and that oh. is crazy enough. One, Mister Cat Williams. Have you all oh, seen shit. what Cat Williams said? Well, no. first of all, let me just say that. You know what? When you're talking about Cat
1: Williams, uh, Boo Boo, understand that sometimes you
0: don't want to be sorry. You just need to be careful, okay? <laughs> I did not. That that I as I told y'all, oh, we didn't plan that. I did not see that coming. That was good though. Man, so I
3: good. Don't not.
0: worry, I wait. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Cat Williams was talking about cancel culture. And as you know, if you haven't, if you don't know, we did a recent episode about cancel yes. culture. Go ahead and check that out on the uh, Especially on good episode the, on, on the midweek take uh, check the catalog. And so uh, that was about that was a couple episodes back, a couple weeks back. Uh, but Cat Williams was speaking about cancel culture and they were like, hey, man, how do you feel about cancel culture? And he was like, what do you mean? funny funny people are still funny <laughs> like you can't get canceled yeah. if you're actually doing good work right <laughs> and, and it's basically what he was like he, like comedians who are trash still have the opportunity to be trash and they will be dealt with accordingly no one's yes. stopping you from being trash it's just that there yes. are now repercussions for you being trash right. and he he, uh, he used a, a, a really good analogy uh, for it that I, it's honestly escaping my mind of of how the analogy. So go if you haven't, if you didn't find, uh, if you didn't know about it, go look up what Cat Williams said on cancel culture. It's out there. Yeah. Um. But basically, I just enjoyed a comedian coming out and being like, "Yeah, man, if you're funny, uh, and you're insightful and you're actually smart about your job and doing the yeah. work, you're not gonna get canceled because you're actually saying." You're actually entertaining people, but you're doing it in a, in, in a smart way. If right. you're just looking for gutter humor and trying to punch at the uh, punch down like a lot of these comics want, and you want to just do the easy the easy comedy that's not even really all that funny, then <laughs> then yeah, yeah. you st- that's still available to you. It's just that people are going to call you out for it because you're trash. Um, you know, so it was interesting to hear him say that, and I, I just wanted to I, I just wanted to king him for that. That was that was good work by I'm, I'm re- uh, you
1: know what on that note. Um, because it's interesting that you said that because I was literally just seeing something about that today. But the other good part about that is he and David Allen Greer uh, had a similar take on it because, uh, and I don't know, I I didn't get a chance to see when David Allen Greer said this, but Cat Williams had sort of been talked about about what he had said, which you just talked about. Um, And I found it interesting because what David Allen Greer, and if you know, the comedian that david allen greer is it's funny because he said essentially something the same thing that cat williams said but it's so funny because if you know those two comedians you know that cat williams will say the way say something a certain way and you know david allen greer says things a certain way because he's david allen greer right so yeah. david allen greer basic, basically said the same thing and what he said was because somebody had asked him a question about in living color and obviously as we know um, he played, uh, you know, because th- there was a men on film and men on this and men, men on that. And it was him and Damon Wayans. And they played these two two gay. Uh, you know, they were supposed to be like they they were critics of whatever the subject was in that particular skit. And so they asked David Alan Greer about like some of the jokes that were told on in living color and david and grier flat out said oh when you talk about like some of the gay humor and some of the lgbt like like some of that you can't tell those jokes today and that's fine he flat out said it. he said you can't tell those jokes today at some of the jokes we told and that's okay because basically if you're a good comedian you don't need to do that no more and maybe you didn't need to do it then but at where we are in society right now it's okay that you shouldn't be telling those jokes anymore because they're hurtful and you know and and because there's just an awareness around it that maybe you know was acceptable back then and now it's not and it's interesting to me because i felt like he essentially said the same thing that cat williams said if you are out here and you're trash Because the only way you can be funny is if you can make fun of gay people or you or or because you decide to make fun of handicapped people or you want to make fun of this. And and it's and it's unnecessary for you to do that to be funny. What did he say? You will be dealt with accordingly because (laughs) because people will flat out tell you if you can't be funny without that. You're not funny.
2: You're not funny. You're, well, no. You know, you're well, just
1: yeah. You you know, it's the common den- It's the lowest common denominator that you're looking for, in your audiences and audiences aren't having that any uh, anymore. And so to hear that said two different ways but saying the same thing from two different comedians from two completely different eras, eras was just amazing to me so it's, it's really interesting that you brought that up because I literally had no idea you were going to talk about that
0: So it was funny so the two things that Cat Williams basically said that I think were hilarious but very insightful and very true was he said he basically said Nigg- niggas weren't funny when they could say whatever they want So the fact that they had been restricted has only continued to make them not funny. But the analogy he used that I had forgotten, I looked it up. He basically said, there are a ton of dudes who aren't in the NBA who said, who, if you said, said, if they would only lower the goal, I would be in the NBA right now. (laughs) 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 That's what I just read. And I was like, yo. It is. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you, yeah, people who's telling you about cancel culture and who's saying that they can't do things the way they want to anymore right. cause pr- they're probably not creative enough to be in the space to begin with, if that's I mean, their then- their take.
2: I mean, they never were creative. They just tried to use a venue to make themselves creative, but yeah. couldn't yeah. work out. So, yeah. yes,
0: I and so, uh, and then, Cat Williams also the, another thing I respected about the answer besides the two analogies, uh, to the analogy, and then the, the the joke was that he also paid homage to the fact that you know black women created the word cancel culture in a completely different context to talk about people who they no longer were fucking with because yeah. it turns out they don't appreciate. Um, Black women in the way that they were supposed to be, aka a-, 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 a Bill Cosby, aka a, a-, a Prince. I'm mean, not Prince. Excuse me. Ooh, God Ooh, rest. Right. Hey, hey, ma- hey. Uh, okay. I-, uh, I-, a- I, I don't on, know that- why. I don't know why Ooh. I said. I don't know why I said God Prince because I, I totally you, you meant, to, I totally meant God, to. say R. Kelly, and somehow God Prince came out. Sorry, sorry about that, Prince. But aka also R. Kelly. They they were talking about those kind of people. Like I can't bump their catalog anymore because they're just irredeemable humans, and I don't want to support them. Um, and and so that's how it started. And then. It morphed into this whole other thing, as usual. People take things out of black culture and bastardize white it. people. And so, the, white. It, was, it was good to hear Boom. him pay homage to that as well um, in his response. Uh, we, we Again, it, we've talked about all that on our cancel culture episode. So, if you want to go back again, and listen to that, I yeah, will we'll stand
2: that. by. Fantastic ass episode. One of my and, favorite and, and, episodes. And he
0: does. he wasn't even on the episode. He so you know, you know, if he likes it,
1: it must be good. <laughs> I enjoyed that. And you know, my ass says some crazy shit. I don't even remember what I said, <laughs> but I bet you it was I, I hope it was at least 10% insightful, and mostly just
0: me just rambling about shit. So you know, t- t, uh, you know, probably 50% me trying to cut you off when you won't be cut off, 40% insightful, 10% just. Terrell, he wasn't. Tur- he wasn't as uh, was uh, loose like, cannon. Uh, I would say, like Terrell, actually said some hey,
2: very good nuggets in the cancel culture. As a semi-successful
1: actor, um, I'd like to just say that you know my ability to filibuster is what
0: you know essentially gets <laughs> me jobs. So. I, you know, uh, I, I sometimes I, I can't turn it off. I, I've needed content today, so I've been harping heavily on the filibuster. But but Terrell is really not that uncontrollable. I, I I want everyone to know it's more of a bit. Terrell is not uncontrollable. <laughs> the main thing. If you hear me on the radio, it really ain't
1: that bad. I had a really bad ra- uh, rant like two weeks ago, but other well, it wasn't bad. But I, I I did rant a little bit two weeks ago, considering I'm the co-host of the show, and I I
0: did go in because I was a little annoyed with some shit. Uh, but no, I'm not near as bad as I as I tell I told Daniel this about my dad um, when my dad visited is that you know me and my dad are a lot alike and sometimes looking in that mirror is not fun for me. And that's more so what you hear when I'm criticizing Terrell is that I have a point that I want to filibuster on. This man is filibustering first. Nah, bro. <laughs> and, so, and sometimes he'll even cut me off to filibuster and I'm like, now I have to re- try to remember this whole ass point for 10 damn minutes. And hey, so, Write that shit down. Go write that
1: shit down, bro. <laughs> and
0: so, you know, as with my... Uh, you know, Ter- Terrell is my podcast father, and so as with my real father, sometimes looking in that mirror is just unfun for me. All right, that's the way it is. Um, <laughs> so, any any last thoughts for my friends as we get on out here? It's, just, it's about time for us to get out. Yeah, Saturday, time to go. I'm
1: All sure I'm there's say... a lame ass fight on or something tonight.
2: No, so no, there's really not. To be... Oh, oh UFC. So no, UFC is fighting tonight. UFC um, got something going on tonight. I am i to go yeah. watch that on. I might, Pirate yeah, I was Story about to say, watch. I might just watch that and call that today. But well, uh,
0: I do thank y'all for dating the podcast multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> thank, you, thank you for that. I appreciate it.
3: Uh, we didn't say
1: which uh, UFC it was.
0: Oh, yeah. But you yeah. already said the Nets won game one. So we were done at that point. But I don't mean they can't listen to it. Road trips are a
2: motherfucker.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you were going to say something, uh, my. All changed. I was
2: going to say is just like, I, I again, uh, we've talked harply on the media outlets, but I do want to just say yet again, I just want to make sure if there's anything we get out of here, fans, shut the fuck up and grow the fuck up. That's all I have to say. And well, thank you a- very much for those kind words. <laughs>
0: That was a little more Dusty roads than American Dream, baby. <laughs> Dusty Rhodes in the American Dream, Actually,
1: I just want to say, <laughs> tell you what now, when you come to the ring and you put it on somebody real good and you roll your wrist and you jump off that top rope, baby.
0: Uh, baby. <laughs> See, I, I have a very limited, I have a very limited Dusty Rose impression. I have one. Oh God, I, that man has a family. Yeah. yeah. See, you, you you can you you do the you do the whole bit. I can only do it's Dusty wrong with the American Dream. That <laughs> it just can't stand it when I'm trying to shut down the podcast
1: and my guys won't shut up. Woo, yeah.
0: A, a macho man, Randy Savage man. <laughs> that
1: was my guy, that was dude. Good. The best that was ever. My guy, dude. Okay. Best,
0: the best ever. Uh, Macho Man, Randy Savage, ran, when he's talking about Hulk Hogan, he's like, I don't think you can separate business from friendship. I'm your friend, but if I ever meet you in the ring, I can beat you. Don't you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bruh, bruh.
1: Hey, real, short uh, what is it? Um, I can't remember the ch- and E, or whatever it is. Bruh, that WWE stuff, the wrestling stuff where they do like the real, they did Macho Man, bruh. Oh my God, that brought back so many memories, dude, but i digress uh, we'll I'm, talk I'm about a, that some other time
0: i'm opening up the next pod with with that terrell i'm your friend no, no,
1: no. dude he hated hulk hogan let's be clear bro like he did not like hulk no, he hated he him. did not he like that him. dude he hated that dude in real he life and they brought him in and they were like and he did not want to be second fiddle to hulk hogan man that dude just came around at the, at the wrong time man i'm telling you 10 12 years later randy would have been that dude bro he was one of my favorites, so.
0: But uh, you got a, Ooh, yeah, you got a, you got a uh, Macho Man Randy Savage impression. You got a Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, you, 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 you got the full gamut of impressions. We didn't you got get a the whole
2: stack of guys up here. Yeah, goddamn! We,
0: he didn't imitate Daniel or Austin or JR. But he, I can't he, do. I can't but do he,
2: people I know
0: personally, bro. Is I cannot. That's, I've never fine. been That's able to I it. cannot you, you, imitate you people I know it. personally. You're more than made up for it. And on that note, Terrell, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to the people in whatever voice you'd like to?
1: Hey, hey, you know what? Uh I don't have a voice for it, but I will say this. Uh tune in tomorrow.
0: Uh-oh, no, don't do that. I, I'm
1: dating the show again. Tune in on Sundays. There you go. All right. <laughs> Sundays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. uh central time. Ticket 760. Uh, it is uh, Blue collar Sports Dads on the uh, iHeart Radio app. Uh, check us out. Uh, usually put the podcast up on iHeart Radio app uh, two or three on Sundays, two two to three p.m. on Sundays. Check us out, um, and uh, obviously, you know, you want to check out uh, Speaking for Sport because <laughs> why would you not? Uh, but uh, yeah, man, um, if you've been
0: listening this long. I hope you check it out Speaking. For I Sport. know, right? <laughs> uh, at
1: Terrell Huff on Twitter uh same on instagram i don't really give a shit about facebook but if you want to check it out i think it's pretty much the same thing on facebook as well
0: uh and uh
1: instagram and facebook are the same thing but i just like instagram better
2: Uh, there it is Uh,
0: julian owens of the king julian podcast please plug anything you need to my friend thank you for joining us
2: oh anytime thank you guys again i love it um yes uh my episode my show is the king julian podcast i do shows Mostly every Thursday um, was, has mentioned, I was going through some little mental health things, so I kind of had to roll back everything, but we're in full swing. Season two is going to be winding down very soon, which I'm letting you know, I might have you have your fifth performance as my season finale. Oh, five, time, five, time, five time, five time, five time, five time. I've been so, waiting to say it. <laughs> so we're going to get there later. But yes, you can find me on wherever you get your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, we just put ourselves on iHeartRadio so you can find it there and you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at KingJulianOwens I do prefer Twitter I will say that now I do prefer as Twitter as do so. I
0: Alright, <laughs> and so uh, Programming notes uh, We do have H is for Hell every Friday I've been slacking a little bit So the, the latest you. the H is <laughs> <laughs> for Hell uh, Is going to go up on Sunday This week, it's already up now But just let you know that I, I do recognize that it was not Friday And some of the episodes don't get up on Friday I'm trying to get better There's a lot to, to balance in this world And I'm trying to balance it all uh, God willing, we will finally have Our Eyes of Texas podcast next week That is my plan I'm waiting it's <laughs> Julian <am> continues <laughs> to wait in the wings for that podcast. And then after that, we will have part two of our comedy Brown discussion. Don't think I've forgotten about that. So basically, ne- basically next Monday will be, should be the eyes of Texas and the money after that should be part two of call me Brown. Um, in between that, we still have H's for hell on Friday. Uh, we might, there's no midweek take this week, but maybe we'll, we'll get a midweek take for you in a, in a couple of weeks. So uh, that's where we're at. Uh, Trade Plonko's podcast and grill is also off for them at the moment as they continue to try to find content so they can wrap up this Cowboys offseason for you. Uh, Julian, you, you have something to say, my friend, as I'm trying to wrap up the podcast. All line. I was
2: going to say is if you have not listened to part one of the Kwame Brown podcast, please <laughs> do so. There's some jewels in that
0: episode. Oh, uh, so good. So good <laughs> And so uh, As for the social media aspect If you'd like to talk to your boy Dr. Lewis Not the third here, your watch favorite podcaster You can find him on Twitter yes. At DR Lewis book it, Or on Instagram At DR Lewis Not the third So In the meantime While I go off And do things You know Being your wife's favorite podcaster Type things Terrell Please hit him In the out With the outro Baby Woo Speaking for sport because somebody's got to, baby. Woo! You yeah, done dusty Rose there. I would have been. I would have just. I would have fell out. Goodbye. Speaking of sport, baby.
1: <laughs> Peace out, fellas.